goddamn. Welcome, everybody. You know what those noises mean. It's a week until Spooky Spokes. Whoosh, yes. Everybody, uh, the cutoff for Spooky Spokes is going to be this Friday at midnight. So you better get them in and get them in fast. Get them in hard. Get them in scary. All right. Uh, we're going to do a little, uh, just a quick episode this week. Um, talk about a few things. Yeah, I'll say quick and then I start blabbing. Right, Tobes? <laughs> right? Right, Tobor? Huh? Right? Right? <laughs> hey, yeah. All right. So let's get into this week's show and send in your spooky spokes to creative writing podcast at gmail.com. And don't let a spooky. Hey, that wasn't spooky. Don't let a spooky ghost come and do this to you. No spooky sound effects for you. We're just stalling for time for the intro music to kick in here. So, uh, kick back, get a coffee, do whatever you're gonna do because it's coming up in a couple seconds and we're not editing this. Tobor's something's wrong with him. Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast that's like riding through the rain in wool pants and only wool pants. We're brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. For more information, head over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing. We don't know why they support us, but you should. Now, to your regularly scheduled show, and don't turn it off this time. Don't, just stop. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. This is the ghost of Spooky Spokes Past. Warning all future Spooky Spokes submitters, they better get their asses in gear. Oh, this scary music. Oh, God. Toast. Yeah, we're going to get into that. We'll get into this in a sec. But Tobor, are you okay tonight? Yeah. Are you? You've been messing up. You were supposed to spe- press the... Uh, the intro music a little while ago uh we kind of had a start right oopsie yeah are you you sure you're all right you don't you seem off you seem a little off so i mean it seems like you have those earphones not regularly on your uh hearing docks or your your import dock whatever you call them how else would you wear them (laughs) well if i was a human i'd wear them on my ears but you just they're kind of sideways on your head are you sure you're okay i mean you had that little giggle earlier, so I yeah okay. Just I just wanted to know. That's all. I just wanted to know. Um, so oh, and I'm chewing gum. Oh my god, faux pas. Uh, biggest faux pas. I might as well be chewing, uh, sucking on a slug or something, right? Um, so yeah. Hey, uh, Tobor. Good evening. How you doing? Yes. Good evening, junkie. Yeah, you sound a little slow today. Um, are you okay? I mean, be straight with me, homie. You're you're acting weird this week. I don't have another co-host to fall back on, and, and you're usually on top of things. But right now, you seem a little off, bro. I'm stoned AF, bro. Oh, my God. 
Oh my god, I did not even know that that could happen. A robot gets stoned? How the hell do you get stoned? How's I got into some of the compressed air and halon fire suppressant in the data center at GSXR600FM. Oh god, that's right. You were up there doing maintenance in the data center, or data center as you say. Oh my god, buddy, are you okay? You gonna make yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, all right. Oh, you know what? I'll go easy on you. I, I, uh, you know, I got some cheesy jokes. Like I said, it's kind of funny. See, you're, you're, it's funny. If you could see Tobor, if I, if I had a live stream or something, you guys could see he's, Tobor, you're just acting weird too. Like you're, you wouldn't pass the drunk test. That's for sure. If you were a human, I know you, you immediately get out of it because you're a robot and everybody expects you to be, you know, perfect every single time. This is just proof that we need humans. We can't rely on AI and robots for everything. You guys can still get messed up. Is, did you, is it like getting hacked? Is that what being stoned is like for robots? Yeah. Okay. Or just like having a bug or something. Um, let me know if there's any little code going, <laughs> going through your brain, like the matrix in your brain. So anyways, Tobor, yes. Um, I won't rely on you. Here, pass me the soundboard. Right? Uh, quit, quit pressing stuff. To let go. No, no. Give me. All right, thank you, sir. You fat-fingered every single button handed in over here. So I will be in charge of this, buddy. You just stay there and chill. You get your, uh, you sounded a little sad. You get your uh, integration port and everything back online. I know that's not what, I know that's the wrong port. Yeah, okay, yeah, don't point there. Don't point there. I don't need to see that. No, I knew that wasn't the integration point. Come on. All right, uh, so we got a great show tonight. Uh, it's going to be a shorty. Like I said, I am in the midst, folks, uh, a, a going to go camping tomorrow with the fam. We're going to get out. Uh, this year has been kind of weird. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some uh, things, my, my, my views of the world as it has changed over the course of this year. So uh, first things first. Hi, everybody. Hope you've been getting out in some phenomenal riding. The air has chilled here in Southern California just a tad. We went from 100 degrees just last week or whatever it was. We pulled one of those Colorado things where we went from 100 to snow. I'm just kidding. It never snows here. But we went from almost too hot to ride to now it's like in the 70s. So it's almost too cold to ride. So go figure. Um, and so, yeah, I've seen uh, some of our friends post up that there is snow here and there. Uh, I follow this wonderful uh, girl named Megan Griffiths on Instagram. She goes by Meg's Brap on there. Um, she was actually on the cover of Motorcyclist magazine from the AMA over the summer. Um, she's got some phenomenal videos. She just posted some snow, her and her, her, and her pup. So um, I know it's snowing in, um, I think she is over in John O'Groat, Scotland. Just kidding. I think she's in Newfoundland. I know she's in neither of those places. I don't want to be an idiot. Anyway, she's in Canada, which I, I figured it always was snowing up there. I kind of feel like if you're if you ever watched Game of Thrones, I figure I always feel like Canada is like Winterfell. But we have a, a patron up there uh, who sends some wonderful pictures and was part of last year's um, motorcycle podcasters challenge and has verified it does not snow hundred hundred days out of. Uh, their 100-day year. They only have a 100-day year in Canada, too, by the way. Everything is uh, changed because of the import rate up there. So go figure. Um, also, uh, our good buddy, the, the man called Yeti, um, who is, if you follow him on Instagram, he's always doing some epic Jeep or vehicle build, just like when we were younger kids. And we would always uh, steal stuff from the body shop we worked on to do our own projects. <laughs> Oh, anyway, he was always doing something then too. He always had an iron in the fire 
And now I believe his big old LMTV PGQX is out here at Biltwell. He built this crazy huge thing, uh, I think for the Baja um, or the Mexican 1000 or something like that or the Mint 400 or something like that. He built something that they're uh, going to be their chase truck. And it's kind of like those huge trucks, support trucks that you see in the Dakar, those big Tatras and Kamaz and all those uh, brands. Um, he built one similar and, uh, yeah, I think it's out here at Biltwell. When he get, when he comes to town, I really want to see him. So, uh, cowboy, if you're listening, meet, meet old junkie down at Biltwell. Um, so yeah, that, that is cool. He's, he is snowing there in Iowa where they're at or Nebraska where the hell they are. Um, what's the difference between iron and Nebraska flavor of the corn from what I hear. So, um, yeah, I, I know that there's snow hitting everywhere and, uh, from, North, south, everywhere in between. Tobor, get, you're leaning. Tobor, you're leaning. Tobor. Dude, I've never seen Tobor like this before. It's quite incredible, actually. It's kind of cool. It's kind of weird. Um, so, yeah. So, the, Tobor. Tobor, wake up. Tob- I'm just going to turn him down for a second, folks. We'll just we'll let him see. That's kind of what it sounds like when he dozes off. So, um, so yeah, we got a little cheer in the chill in the air. It is legit fall. We are nearing the end of October. This is harvest season. Um, if you are uh, one of the holiday, one of the religions that has a few holidays coming up, this is the holiday time. Lots of uh, lots of. Um, people in the northern hemisphere this is like winter so this is a time for rebirth and the closing down and rebooting of life and nature and everything right and we wake up again in uh january or or thereafter and i hope it's a goddamn reboot let me just tell you 21 uh better be yeah that's 2020 in a nutshell right there baby let me turn that up even louder 2020 Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so I hope we get to this hard reboot. I, I really hope so. And, um, there has been a lot of things that have happened this year, obviously. Uh, what I was going to say, I did, was doing a little research, reading a little Reddit, doing a bunch of other stuff today. And it was like, I was thinking about one year ago, just thereabouts. Uh, not only was California, a different part of California on fire this year, the whole West coast you know the whole western united states was on fire but last year california again had this massive fire just north of us i believe and um uh australia was also on fire and i just remember like how crazy it seemed and then there wasn't such a crazy winter as i believe there was a couple years ago our friends in in, uh, wisconsin and minnesota didn't actually um get stuck inside the house. So the couple of years before that, it was epic. It was snowing like 12 feet a day. Yetis moved into the neighborhood. They had to be forced out with snow plows and flare guns. Um, and last year, I don't think it was that, that bad. So this year, California got a lot of rain um, and got a lot of new growth and therefore got a lot of cool fires uh, that came. And then we got this awesome pandemic. And I'm just thinking, you know what? 2020 was one of these years where last year when I thought things were rough, Guess what? And I was like, oh, I can't go riding this week because I got this. Can't go riding this week because I got this. Now I can barely, I came out here and moved all the motorbikes around, uh, fired one of them up. Um, let me see. I didn't fire Spamla up. So yeah, you know, just coming around, moving them around, keeping the wheels turning so that they're not just sitting in one spot. Um, 
you know, keeping the chains rolling so they just don't harden in place, keeping everything lubed, even though I haven't been riding a whole bunch, just moving them around. And actually this week, I didn't even go riding to do um, my weekly chores, which is funny because that's the only riding I've really been doing is to ride around town, kind of check on stuff. I was doing more of that the week before last. I've been so busy this week um, that I haven't even been able to do that. So what I have been doing is... um, prepping for our camping trip this weekend. I'm so stoked. We got a little pop-up trailer over the summer. Um, as you know, like camping was the number one thing to do in most of the United States. I don't know about the rest of the world, but camping here became the thing to do. Uh, we went and bought a pop-up trailer in the midst of a pandemic, which was in the midst of a camping resurgence because that's about all you could legally do. And it was like the only one of the major things that was socially distanced is either get out on your motorcycle and go moto camping or ride out by yourself into the wilderness or take your family out to some public land and recreate and get way far away from everybody. So it was funny. There was so much camping and campgrounds were, were packed to full capacity where, where it was allowed. And then all of a sudden the for- forest catch on fire and you can't go camping in a uh, state forest and, <laughs> and all that stuff. So uh, that happened. Um, but yeah, so we're not going to, we're going to go camping, um, sort of on the way to sweet talker, Brady Walker's house, not quite that far, but we'll be doing that. And this pop-up trailer that we got, which is going to sleep four people, two dogs, and I wish a motorbike. It doesn't have a carrying capacity. This is just a little one. It's like a tent on wheels. So there's not really a carrying capacity for a motorbike. That's the only thing missing is the, uh, the uh, motorbike aspect of it. Um, but this thing was cheaper than a CB400 that I saw online, way cheaper than almost every... It's funny, the more reliable... I won't, shouldn't say more reliable, but the the newer the bike and the better the technology, the cheaper they are. So some of these old uh, CBs that I see that aren't even stock, they're just expensive because they're a CB... Um, and some of the old BMWs and stuff I've seen going for like eight grand. You know, I could have bought two trailers for that much. This thing is used, you know, for four grand. Um, and so a lot of motorbikes are more than that. So I was thinking, man, I see where motorcycling is kind of hitting this, uh, you know, that what they've been talking about for the last few years of people investing differently and people not having disposable income. So this year in particular, um, even me went out and bought a trailer instead of a, another motorbike. So my family will get some love and use out of it. Um, my kids have been sitting on my motorbikes the more they've been sitting around now since I haven't been using them that much. They've been parked in the garage, so the kids will come in and jump on them, which that stokes me out. So even though we're not taking one camping with us, um, they're sitting all over them and liking them, and I'm going to take them for a ride pretty soon. Um, legally here in California, all you need to do is be able to reach the footrest. And my kids have been able to do that for a little bit. So as soon as I get them proper safety equipment and make the, uh, HBIC, the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> I don't know what that stands for, but, uh, the boss, El Jefe Numero Uno, my wife, as soon as I make her, uh, check off all the boxes on her safety, um, 
Do the bare minimum. Uh, as soon as I get all those boxes checked off, we're going to take the kids for a little ride. And then in a couple of years, when they're a little older, maybe we can road trip it together. You know what I'm saying? So I'm excited. This year has been a year of struggle, but also little wins like that. We're going camping, got a trailer. They're on the bikes more since they're sitting around more, and I'm not out on them all the time. So I don't know. Little wins here and there. Um, and now that the weather is cooling off, uh, it's going to be nice to get out. Of course, we couldn't go camping when it was 115. That would have been stupid uh, since almost everywhere in California is high desert. Kind of limits the amount of places you can go. So now that we're cooled off and it's going to be freezing, it's going to be like 50 degrees at night. Like I'm, my kids are going to just wake up in little ice balls. They've never felt weather that cold before here in Southern California. So yeah, it's going to be pretty fun, I think. So we're getting prepped to go do that uh, this weekend. When I get back Sunday, I'm going to do a little ride. we got some more interviews coming up on the side. We've been doing some interviews in the background that are going to air after Spooky Spokes. So that's why I really want you to get Spooky Spokes submissions in. After that, donezo. We're moving on to the next chapter of creative writing. And it's going to be more of an introspective retrospective, sort of like this year has made me realize, don't waste a boner or a nap, right? Because uh, if you do, you'll likely be dead <laughs> the next time. If you wake up on the right side of the dirt, uh, thank your lucky stars. So let me see here. So where am I going with this? Okay, so what I want to do is talk about uh, 2020, what I've learned and some of the podcasts that I've had a chance to finally friggin' listen to, uh, haven't had a chance to listen to podcasts for months because of coronavirus and things getting busy at my work as a result. Um, just now getting back into binging podcasts. So I kind of feel how some of our listeners would tell me, oh, I don't get to listen all the time, but then when I do, I binge. You know, so okay, I get it now. It is it's kind of fun, and it's also a slog if... Uh, if it's not the greatest material. So you just kind of have to listen and it's hit or miss. So, all right, I realize our podcast is very hit or miss, um, especially with Tobor being on the fritz like right now. So it's kind of weird. And with no co-host being here for the last uh, pandemic month. Um, so yeah, this year has made me realize there's a ton of stuff I wanted to do with creative writing. Every year I give the patrons an update of my ideas and my goals and I usually fall a little short. I, I, the thing is, I don't want to promise slow and then start doing a bunch of weird stuff. I'd rather promise high and try to deliver because if I don't promise anything, I won't do anything. I'm that type of guy. Um, I don't want to invest more time in stuff that I don't that's inefficient to me. So if I make something a priority or a goal, then I was like, oh yeah, I should prioritize some time for that instead of like, hey man, like do this, you know, don't do it and then just like. Don't tell them and then just do it. No, it's not really how it works for me. So I, I usually have to say a bunch of stuff. And and I've delivered way low on a lot of the stuff I wanted to do. Some of the ideas that I've had in the past that I didn't yet ever even talk to anybody about, uh, I've hashed out in my brain and thought this would be great. And this year would have been a perfect one for one of them. I believe I mentioned it back when Jay was here because she reminded me of it a few months ago, last time I talked to her. And it was the escape from L.A., <laughs> and I haven't talked about this on the air, I don't think. I might have mentioned the escape from L.A. on the air a couple times, but um, I never hashed out any of the plans on air or told anybody about them. But, and I'm still not going to give you the deets, but I'll give you the overview. It was, a, it was a way to get out of L.A. 
under false pretenses. There was a lot of stuff going on here with the homeless population last year. That was a, you know, before COVID, what did we worry about? We worried about homeless people, right? That was the huge thing here. Uh, the homeless population growing in California and people seem to have forgot about that this year. Um, and the struggles have moved to equality and not necessarily poverty anymore, which is kind of sad. I think one leads to the other. Um, so the homeless have got forgotten about. There was water issues since we're in such a dry state and we've been in drought constantly. All this stuff. So all this crazy stuff um, building up here in California politically and soci- sociologically, um, the under undercurrent, the, the bigger picture of California outside of motorcycling. And then we had the motorcycle industry collapsing and all, you know, all this, uh, I wouldn't say fake news, but all these concerns that might not have been found, uh, uh, might've been unfounded. Um, if you look at the industry as a whole. And I was thinking, man, all this is going to make a great story for get out, you know, escape LA, all this crap going down. It feels like dystopian, uh, future is happening. And then this year hit and holy shit, it couldn't have been more perfectly timed. Had I been prepared for this to ha- had I known this was coming, I would have been like, yeah, listen, they're recommending to socially distance. Like this is perfect, a perfect, uh, uh, backdrop to escape from LA, which would have been about getting out of LA for a legitimate reason and kind of going out into the, the wilderness. So, um, Wiggins and Jay and I were going to do it. Unfortunately, Jay had some things happen in her personal life, which put her in um, custody of the state for a while. And then this happened, and Wiggins and I uh, haven't been together since. Um, So, yeah, all that shit fell apart. But what an epic, what an epic backdrop this year would have been uh, for the Escape to L.A. plan to happen. Also, here's something I've never said on the show before, but I really love... um, I, I've, I've said this before. I love the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. I love the way that it engages other shows, and I love the way that it engages riders. And, and I'm not just talking like one or two people. I'm talking like people, like teams of like 10 people per show. So you're talking about like 100 to 80, uh, I'm not, not 100, 50 to 80, uh, you know, maybe, I don't think there was 100 people last year, but I can't remember. I think there was a 60, 60 riders uh, but that's 60 people that set aside time for a handful of podcasts, like five podcasts, right? 60 people, five podcasts, um, and only like one of the podcast hosts per each podcast was on there. So these these other 55 or 60 people um, set aside time to ride for these podcasts because they love them, they love listening to them, they love listening to the updates, they love a challenge, they love a goal, right? And so I thought, man, I love the... Um, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, the way the way it's set up, it's a lot of work on the back end, and it's a lot of logistics and smartness that I couldn't pull off by myself. Luckily, they have John and Natalie to help them out, and um, they're all you know very good at what they do, and they've done it before, and they kind of have hammered it out over the years, from scoring to you know they must be. I think they're part of groups too that play stuff. I'm more of a loner, man. I rebel, you know. I'm Pee Wee Herman. Uh, and Pee-wee's big adventure. I'm a loner, Dottie, a rebel. Um, so I don't usually tend to have a lot of people helping me out with stuff. So that's why none of my stuff's going to ever succeed. But I so love the the uh, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge that I want to do like creative writings world challenge, right? So the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge, um, it'll be back next year, I hope. Um, of course, everything had to forego this year, but it's it's basically gets riders to get out 
and get around in their town or their city. And the year before, it was um, a couple years before, it encouraged them to ride to neighboring cities and towns because you're trying to find city names that start with the specific letter that gets drawn off of a, uh, um, a Scrabble tile. And guess what? If you if they pick a Z or something like that, there's not a whole hell of a lot of cities that start with Z. So you're riding to another state. And some people do it. Um, and some people, the uh, mileage counts up and there's a whole bunch of different factors that add up. So a lot of people, even though you you may live in a city that starts with like P the, the week that it gets drawn, hell, you'll drive across strict state lines to get some mileage and find another city that starts with P um, and come back. And it's a great, fab- fabulous thing. Like I'm saying, it takes a lot to run and it's very well thought out. So mine, Travel Around the World, was same idea only I probably wouldn't have prizes. I probably wouldn't track anybody because I don't know how to do all that shit. But it was a way to get people out and get out in their own community and find a little slice of uh, the world around you. And I just heard Nokomoto talk about that. I listened to one of their podcasts this week, and they were talking about road trips, doing an iron butt, which is like, hey, plan a... um, 500 mile trip outside of your town, turn around and come back. That's a thousand miles. You've done an iron butt, you know, and it didn't take you uh, three months to ride a thousand miles. You did it in 24 hours. You just rode out. I could ride to Vegas and back, and it's roughly a thousand. I think it's, is it 400 miles to Vegas? Mm, I don't, I don't remember. I think it's 400 miles to Vegas. I'm not 100% sure, but even if it's not, I would just have to ride over to what, Arizona and back? Um, or, or maybe the Utah border and back, and that's a thousand miles for sure. So um, it's not very far. A thousand miles ain't far. Five hundred miles out, five hundred miles back. And so they were saying you can do a um, you can do a iron butt. You know, but easier than you think. You can get out and do a clover leaf and explore your town. And that's exactly, exactly the idea I had for um, the world. Uh, I forget what I was even going to call it, but it was basically like travel the world in your town. Um, there's a place in uh, not far from here, right down the street from me, actually, um, called the Mayan Hotel. I did last year's Spooky Spokes. I talked about it because it's supposedly haunted. Um, and the builder who built it. Uh, fashioned it after um, Frank Lloyd Wright and a bunch of the flank flank Lloyd light. Hey, that sounds like a a great drink. Give me some flank Lloyd light. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright, who went down and Mesoamerica was very popular um, when they were uh, when he was uh, getting interested in architecture and a lot of people had gone down and seen temples, Mayan temples and and Aztec temples and, and just a lot of Mesoamerica architecture, brought it back, um, started building places in Wisconsin and the Midwest, out here in California, lots of places. And then it, that style caught on and the Mayan Hotel is uh, not too far from me, um, built in that style way back in the 40s, I believe it was. Um, and so, hey, look, it's a piece of the Mayan jungle right here in my town. I don't have to drive down to uh, Yucatan or Quintana Roo or any of the other states in the on the Mayan Peninsula. I've been down there. It's freaking fabulous. It's awesome. And every time I drive by this, it does bring a little bit of the Mayan. Um, it's kind of kitschy Mayan, but it brings the Mayan jungle t- uh, to me. I think I'm pretty sure in Wisconsin somewhere there's like some sort of weird temple that is native built, but I believe it was styled after, it's a pyramid and it was styled after um, 
a Mesoamerican pyramid. And it's not inconceivable. I mean, if the Spanish conquered all of North America before, um, well, Spain is in Europe, but before English settlers did, I guess, um, if Spain conquered all of North America and was up in Wisconsin way before the English settlers were, um, it's not inconceivable that before there were was a country there, when, when the United States and Mexico weren't, was just one big landmass without a border in between it, that somebody from Mesoamerica or even even part of the, uh, 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 what's it called? The, um, uh, why can't I think of it? I just said it. The Yucatan Peninsula sailed across to Louisiana and made their way up to Wisconsin or something and influenced the way something was built. Uh, whatever it is, hey, go explore it. Guess what? You have a piece of the Mayan jungle there in your city, right? So that was one of my things I was going to do. Never did it. Um, there's a couple giant statues here in Pasadena. And actually, Pawnee, the, if you ever watched uh, Parks and Rec, Pawnee City Hall was actually Pasadena City Hall. They just like quit filming right below the words Pasadena. It says City Hall. So they would always just crop the shot to only get the word City Hall in there. But there you go. I have Pawnee, Indiana here in Pasadena. Um, so it's just funny. Like, I, I go around um, and right across the street, this is what I was going to say, right across the street from that, there are these two giant heads. I forget who they are. I think one is like Satchel Page or something. I want to say one of them is like a sports legend and one of them is a political figure. I don't even know who they are, but they are big giant heads, bronze heads. They don't, they look like a, a replica of whoever it is. But to me, that represented Easter Island. These two giant heads just sitting out there on a the lawn seem like Easter Island. So, hey, there's Easter Island in my background. So part of the thing I was going to do, this is not even last year. It's like the year before. I was trying to figure out how to do it is, hey, travel your town, submit a picture, um, and you travel. Like, what? what is this? represent in the world like that would represent easter island for me maybe you go somewhere and there's a really tall um i don't know tower fire tower outside your town and that's like your eiffel tower or something like that so i don't know that was another idea i had what this year has told me is hey all these things that you love like the motorcycle podcasters challenge all these ideas that you've had like the escape from la and travel the world in your town and all that stuff they may not happen again they, with the amount of stuff that got canceled this year, that's legit real big stuff, your little stupid podcast stuff, you might not get a chance to do it. So this year has really been a reflection for me. Enjoy the wins that you have. I'm going to enjoy camping. I'm going to enjoy my kids getting on my bikes. And we're actually talking now about building some stuff together. My daughter and I um, refurbished a scooter over the summer. Um, and I think we might be getting into building you know, some more stuff together. So that might be on the agenda for us. And and so I'm going to take that as a small win. Uh, despite everything being closed down, I could still order parts online. You know, I could still, once the motorcycle shops reopened, I could still go buy supplies. And so we weren't totally dead in the water. And I'm going to take those small wins when I can get them. But one thing it has taught me is don't take anything for granted anymore don't don't think that hey you're just mama tried man oh man it got shut down last year that's the weekend that all this shit happened and hit well guess what it might not be happening this coming year either if shit doesn't calm down anymore right like i don't know i don't know how how people or governments or any of that stuff's going to handle it and i don't know if we were to just completely quit going out like over this winter how 
easily it would be stopped. Like everything would stop and get fixed. I, I you know, I don't know. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a government regulator. I'm not anything. So I, I don't know how f- quickly it would be stopped. All I'm saying is some of the stuff that I have always took for granted may never happen again, may have just totally lost funding. A lot of the places that I used to go to see motorcycle shows under, out of business, House of Machines just came up in my Instagram feed again. They went out right after the women's motor show last year. Um, that was the last event I went to, by the way. And I think the COVID happened like right after that, like the weekend after that, just like literally made it in under the bell. Um, and I saw Bruce Philp from this Moto Life there and we hung out a little bit and saw quite a few of the moto community. Um, Z Traveler was there. If you ever listened to the Motorcycle and Misfit show, uh, a lot of people, of course, in the in the media and or not media in the um, local industry were there, and a lot of cool people that are there every year were there, and so it was really cool to see all those people. And then boom, everything went dark. Right. So if anything, if this year has taught me anything, it's the hearing the Noko Moto guys say what I've been thinking for a while, which is get out and do stuff in your local community. You don't have to have an ADV bike and go travel to Ushuaia, you know what I'm saying, to have a good time. You can ride around your town and the neighboring town and experience the world um, or even the country. Uh, I'm gonna, I've been saving a text that Jason Gulmeyer, one of the guys, um, when we used to talk about the WIR top 10 bikes all the time up there in Wisconsin, his drag race, uh, drag race group up there, he sent me a text a while ago and I've held on to it because I don't want to forget the name of this place. And I hope it hasn't shut down because of all this year. And, uh, I may be too late, but, um, there's a restaurant in Wisconsin and they opened one out here because the food was so popular. And of course, everybody ends up in LA from somewhere else. So somebody opened one out here, I guess one of the original guys and it's the only one outside of Wisconsin. And I was like, man, if I go there, supposedly it's like eating Wisconsin food. And so now I may have missed my chance. Like the, this year has taught me that. Don't take a nap or a boner for granted. Um, always take that nap and take that boner. I don't know. I don't know where you're going to take it, but um, for a ride, I don't know. But yeah, so don't don't take anything for granted. After this year, um, if I have an idea, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find a way to make it happen. And um, there's enough people that love making stuff happen that you you should be able to tap into um, this the community that that I that we are part of that we're friend that anybody that listens to this show knows whether you're a motorcycle dealer um, or you own a business or you're a struggling artist right now trying to make ends meet. We're all part of this creative uh, side of motorcycling, thus the show Creative Writing. And there's no reason that we can't work together to make stuff happen, right? So I know there's tons of people out there that do this stuff for a living. They would be like, yeah, dude, like it'd be so easy just to throw that together. So my goal for 2021 is to kind of ride this year out. And next year, if I think of something, freaking do it. So yeah, um, Let's take a quick commercial break. Let me check. I need to check on Tobor. Is he still snoring? He still sounds like he's out. So let's take a quick commercial break. I'm running the boards tonight, so I guess it's all up to me. Uh, I'm going to hit the uh, sound boards here. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come right back. Go get yourself a nice drink of water and uh, a hoagie or something. I don't know. All right. We'll be right back with Creative Writing. Bro, what the deuce is on your plate? Oh, man, this is a pickle. Clubman, what? Dude, it's a 
Clawman Pickle. It's 1987. Like, haven't you heard of Clawman's? <laughs> no. What is a Clawman's? Bro, Clawman Pickles are like the pickle for Southern California motorcyclists. Dirk Benedict, Sloppy Chulo, everybody's eating Clawman's. And you know what? What? They got championship trophies on their shelves. Bro, you're a surfer from Huntington. Like, what is a Clawman Pickle going to do for you? Ralphie, my boy, watch this. Oh, bro, rip that curl. Yeah, yeah, man, no seagulls. No seagulls, just some sweet schmoop, yeah. Yeah, man, it's all cheese. Right on. Lobman Pickles, not just for motorcyclists. It's 1987. Have a life. Lobman Looking for a high-quality leather that doesn't cost an arm and a leg? Well, not yours anyway. Try Criders, made in the USA from 100% renewable resources. We don't use fancy hide like kangaroo or elk, nor do we use other imported hides like jaguar or okapi. Those animals are scarce and protected. We extrapolate our hides from a unique source of marsupial. Not a wallaby though, if that's what you were thinking. Criders leathers are made from the United States' most renewable resource, the common opossum. The common opossum is so common, in fact, that thousands of hides go to waste each year on American roadways. We don't believe in letting these valuable garment farms end up in the city dump, especially with a looming leather shortage on the horizon. Criders is dedicated to rider safety, and a low overhead is our number one priority. Visit Criders today and we'll fit you up in new skin. Possum skin. Criders, the cheapest leather you'll wear. Visit Criders now. We're located down by the stream behind the old recycling factory. Criders Leathers. Alrighty, Tobor. Hey, you're oozing all over everywhere. All right. Oopsie. Yeah, oopsie. God. Get a grip, home skillet. Hey, speaking of Criders Leathers, some very exciting news. Well, it's a little too late now. I don't know if I mentioned this last week. Um... But yeah, our good buddies, uh, Tony Shreds and Eric from Jiffy Tune. If you tech, check out Tony Salima uh, on Instagrizzle and uh, Jiffy Tune, that'll be Eric. Um, we interviewed those guys a while back. I think it was episode like 93 or something like that. It was a, it was a while ago. It's like over 200 episodes now. Um, and that's when Wiggins was first taking his Dyna to the track and he met those dudes and they had been shredding the canyons and they decided to start taking their Dynas to the to uh, classic track days with Brady Walker, the smelly Fokker. And now, after a few track days and subsequent racing at Chuckwalla Valley Raceway and race school and all that fantastic stuff and getting the race licenses a couple years ago, Tony and Eric are both at WeatherTech Raceway this weekend, uh, otherwise known as Laguna Seca, and they have been twisting through the corkscrew on some friggin' baggers, bro. I wish I had a motor. You know what would be awesome, Tobor? Is if we were a motorcycle podcast with an awesome motorcycle sound effect. You know what I'm saying? Like, that would be pretty sweet, huh? How did I get five years into this thing and not think of that one? Uh, yeah. Put that one on the bucket list, all right, buddy? After you wake up. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that would have been awesome to have like a rad like Harley Davidson, like <laughs> potato. I could just say this potato, potato, potato. These things don't sound like that. These things are like off the chizzy. Um, 
And that doesn't mean off the chain for everybody back in 2006. Um, yeah, so this thing uh, is going down. King of the Baggers, if you tune into Moto America, search up Moto America, people. Search up Moto America. I learned that's another thing, uh, another takeaway from 2020 that I've learned. I've seen it around for years now, but if you clap your hands together in the same syllable when you're talking, people really have to pay attention. It's like a mandate. I think I've seen a court justice do that before you hear by sentence by order of the court and you had to do it um so yeah you have to watch motoamerica.com son and daughter um sisters and brothers go check it out you're going to see some great bagger racing it's king of the baggers it is a uh, concept dreamed up by moto america last year i thought i thought there was a king of the baggers last year or maybe they just talked about it and now it's going down so now that racing is back on schedule um, and we're going to go into the off season right now. They're like, dude, let's bring it back. I want to see the XR 1200 series come back too. Vance and Hines. That was one of the only reasons I used to watch AMA racing back when it was on um, TV. So dang Vance and Hines, XR 1200 Harley Davidson series. So I'll, I would watch King of the Baggers. I love this off, you know, I don't love to see 70,000 sport bikes. We know they're built for it. We know they can go around, but those XR 1200s, they weren't made for that. And neither are these baggers. So, it's awesome to see them in there hacking off foot pegs with, with hacksaws right there in the pits just to make it turn a little better. Hey, you're dragging that. Hey, let's cut it off then. So, yeah, yeah. So that's going down. Speaking of leathers, Crider's leathers. I hope none of them are wearing Crider's leathers, by the way. Crider's, I'm sorry. I know you're a show sponsor. I should not have said that out loud. It just kind of came out without me thinking. But also, uh, I do have only half of a right butt cheek. Uh, after going down at 26 miles an hour in a pair of your possum skin leathers. So not an, uh, not a humble brag either. Um, yeah. Anyway, speaking of possums too, by the way, I was on Reddit, which is probably the internet's best website if you've never been uh, exposed to it. They have a lot of motorcycle-based stuff on there. Check it out. But uh, there's a subreddit called rolled in, just rolled into the shop. And this guy opened his hood, and lo and behold, there was a freaking possum. I was talking about how I had a rat in my hood during the heavy rains this year. This guy opens it up, and there's a full possum with a full leafy nest under there right around the intake. Why is my uh, my intakes making a weird noise? Well, when you're driving around, sir, it's a possum scrambling for its life. Um, I lifted the hood of my car the other day, and there was a possum in there as well, believe it or not. It was a 67-year-old man named Possum, uh, and he was trying to steal my battery, so I shoot him away with the broom, as you would any possum, and uh, that solved that. But yeah, if you've got this time of the year, uh, like I say, it is starting to snow, and it's turning to fall time. Winterize your bikes, winterize your cars, and don't let a possum take up, uh, make, make a camp in your house, in your car, rather. Let them come inside where it's warm. <laughs> Feed them some possum pie. They'll probably never come back. Uh, what else is happening? This is from the October issue of the American Motorcyclist magazine. Um, there's a bunch of industry news from other magazines that I could tell you about, but that's not what we're all about. I do like the fact that it is voting season, though, and the AMA has hit me up a few times. The AMA is not just motocross, and it's not just hill climb, and it's not just flat track. Um, and, of course, they used to be uh, road racing until they gave that over to Moto America a few years ago. Um, they're not only a racing charter organization that handles local and national GNCCs and hare and hounds and all that great stuff. And, and like I said, motocross, uh, supercross, flat track and all that. They are also uh, a publication 
They are also a service provider. They offer you certain things through their uh, membership. They also are a Hall of Fame. They also have a museum. And they also advocate for you politically. And so all of that ties in with the fact that here in the United States, it is voting season, people. Get out there and vote. Vote hooligan if you have to. Uh, vote whoever you Vote me and Wiggins in for president and vice president. And I'll tell you who's going to be which later. I don't think Wiggins 100% knows how uh, civics and works. I think he learns his um, politics on Instagram. So we'll have to have some uh, Oval Office chats before we put anything forward with our administration and get a plan set. But that's what advisors are for. So anyway... <laughs> Don't waste your vote on me and Wiggins, by the way. That's a that's a joke. Uh, vote for somebody meaningful to you. And also, the AMA reached out quite a few times over the summer and said, "Hey, we're heading into elections. Um, not just the not just the major elections like the presidential and um, everything that goes along with the, every four year, but also there was some there were several state and local uh, elections this year that went on the ballots and a lot of state bills and all that stuff that have already been voted on uh, a little bit earlier in the session." But yeah, this year is a voting year. And so there's a lot of cool things that have been talked about throughout the year from AMA, what's been going on and what's been going down. And I thought this October issue has everything right here that you need to know has been going on. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I want to talk about, let me flip forward a little bit. The Great American Outdoors Act passed. So that happened this summer, actually. And there's a website, uh, another podcast that I listened to, uh, really good about um, conservation and hunting and fishing and all the other fun stuff that I like to do outside of motorcycling. I love camping. I love hiking. I love packing. I love hunting when I get the opportunity. And um, I love animals and I love watching them. Uh, their uh, animals, in a way, are just as much part of this country as mountain ranges, as na national areas. Uh, excuse me, Tobor's leaning on the cord. God, he's gonna drool. He's gonna bite through it. He's like grinding his robotic teeth, and he's gonna chomp through one of these cords. If I go dark, it's because Tobor ate through this cord like a five-week-old Labrador. Um, so, anyways, yeah, what makes up this great country, aside from its people? And aside from, uh, you know, all the things about it, thousands of years till present, um, is the fact that those things that have been around for thousands of years. Why do we love the Tetons? Why do we love Wyoming? Why do we love Montana? Why do we love Yellowstone and all the geysers? Why do we love riding around the rim of the uh, uh, Grand Canyon? Why do we come to California and ride out on the Pismo Dunes? Um, why do we do all the? Why do we find Moab so fascinating? Uh, why do we pick camping in Joshua Tree for Babes Ride Out and all this stuff? Why these these places draw people to them because of their natural wonder, their splendor, their difference from each other, their their, their diversity from each other. But part of that also is um, the animals, the animals of uh, uh, the animals and plants, the living things that we don't think about while we're shopping through them on our <laughs> motorcycles, unfortunately, and ATVs and all that stuff. We don't think about hey. The little little tiny seedlings and, and bacteria even in the gravel that we're kicking up and then that float through the air to other places um, where they don't normally grow 
or whatever, or we track them back to our house. We're kind of, we're messing with the ecosystem, right? And I love the ecosystem, but I also love to recreate. So it is a fine line. And I realize that there has to be boundaries. Uh, one thing that I advocated for earlier uh, last year and earlier this year, actually too, was uh, mountain bikes to be allowed, e-bikes rather, to be allowed on um, trails, you know, to recreate on trails, e-bicycles. And it's not like you're tearing around on a bike, throwing roost, railing berms, and destroying habitat um, like you can on a powered vehicle. So, But it is still fun to get out there and rip on two wheels. I'm all about ripping on two wheels, whether you're using your own power to do it or have a little bit of assistance. Um, and so I was really excited when e-bikes were allowed on trails. Now, I realize some people that just love to walk might not want some people being hooligans. And I always respect people, whether I'm on my mountain bike, my motorcycle, whatever it is. Uh, I respect the trail. I follow the rules. Um, and one thing I never have ever, ever, ever wanted to do when I'm on my mountain bike and I see horses coming, please. I used to live on a horse ranch when I was a kid. I got thrown from a horse. They spook easily. Um, and they're very powerful animals. And so when I'm riding my, uh, motorcycle or my bicycle, um, out in the trails, uh, or even down the street where there's a horse coming, um, I pull on the clutch and I pull over and I let them go by or I stop my bicycle because they, you know, don't know what's coming at them. And you got to respect the trails, respect others. And I, 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 see, I know why people didn't want e-bicycles to be allowed on trails, right? I mean, I get it. There's plenty of bicycle trails out there for us. Um, but then when you look at it, the places that you want to go, there's not. It's like are there really? I mean, there's a few places you could ride, but so I advocated for bicycles to be allowed on trails. They've opened up a lot more. There still are some hiking only, you know, and, and single track, please don't go off the single track or it'll destroy, uh, like Ray Bradbury's butterfly effect. Um, you'll destroy something that's going to affect things down the line. But I also, um, I also do love to get out and recreate in this stuff. And so the Great American Outdoors Act passed this year uh, $9.5 billion for the next five years to address uh, basically a, a backlog in national parks and other public lands. Um, and if you listen to the, the – I'll tell you the podcast I listen to. It's called The Week in Review, Cal's Week in Review, and it's from the Meat Eater podcast. He's a hunter. He's a conservationist. Um, everybody knows that if you love – to hunt animals and if you love to observe animals in the wild and you love hiking and packing and fishing and even if you're catching release even if you just shoot animals with a camera rather than a gun you still love to go out into the environment and interact and without the environment there is no animal and so there is no food and then there that starts a whole long list of things right so some of these things i'm going to read to you might sound sucky but other ones like this one are great um so yeah, $9.5 billion, and that includes BLM land, and it includes a lot of land where there's OHV parks and trails and stuff for uh, outdoors. And that's why it's in the AMA. They have it listed here um, because there's a whole bunch of trails that were um, neglected. Now, if you don't pay tax, if I, if I go to another state and I want to like go on their trails and they're free, and I don't pay, I'm not a taxpayer in that state. How the hell is that getting paid for? Usually there's a usage fee. Usually there's something that it's going to make up, but sometimes there's not, right? Sometimes every, it's just free. You just go out there as if it were like 1750 and you're riding out there, but you have this machine from 200 years in the future that you can go out and ride on, right? And so um, 
as long as you're following the laws, like the uh, whatever, you know, spark arrester and this and that, you can go basically right out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so, yeah, that stuff gets tore up. Trails get tore up. They need to be maintained They're, or they get overgrown from non-use and things like that. Um, and rain erosion and all this great stuff that happens. And guess what? They need to be maintained. Um or you can't access them because of certain things. So yeah, this this Outdoors Act is going to reopen a lot of um, public space I pretty much to not only hikers, bikers, hunters, um, fishermen, uh, off-road, like not just bikers, but ATVers, side-by-siders, everybody, all the off-road, um, and BDR stuff, I think, is going to get opened from, from some of this stuff happening. So I'm really stoked. Um, let me see here. The National Park Service is going to get 70% of the money, which the national parks are um, a great place to go and get away from having to be on your motorbike and camp and camping and all that stuff. Um, other national parks are great to go do that stuff in. So it's just it's pretty amazing. Um, and they do make up a majority of where we recreate, whether it's on wheels or off. So 70% going to them. The U.S. Forest Service is going to get 15%. Hopefully that clears out... Uh, in the West here, hopefully that helps clear out trails, clears up some dead stuff, keeps everything from burning so we can keep riding it and be allowed to go in there instead of being held out because, you know, you nick your friggin' magnesium wheel on a, uh, rock and it shoots off a fucking explosion. Atom bomb goes off pretty much. (laughs) Um, and magnesium doesn't not quit burn. It burns underwater. Right. So, um, anyway, so they're going to get stuff for that. 15% of that is going to go. That's a quite a huge chunk of money um, for all of our national forest um, and the U.S. Forest Service to go maintain all that great stuff that we love to recreate in. Fish and Wildlife and Bureau of Land Management and the Bureau of Indian Education and Schools will receive 5%. And the funding for the National Parks and Public Land Legacy Restoration Fund comes from energy production on federally controlled lands and waters, including renewable energy and oil and gas drilling. And that's another thing I wanted to talk about that I've heard come up in the debates as well as other places is um, renewable energy versus oil versus blah, 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 blah. I don't care. Uh, if it wrecks stuff um, and hurts stuff, it shouldn't... Should we explore new stuff? You betcha. Um, and renewable energy actually is one thing that a lot of people are investing now even oil companies they're like you know listen we understand we knew like decades ago that oil is finite to a certain degree it doesn't come from dinosaurs but it does come from minerals um that are part of not renewable uh resources so i think they're getting on board with that so hopefully um all this energy and and renewable energy um, in the future, and people that pay money to have solar farms and wind farms on these lands that pay like rent, basically, hopefully that keeps coming in, and hopefully we start getting money. Because, like I said, if you visit an, another state and you go somewhere that's free, who pays for that? How does that land get maintained for you to go ride your dirt bike or quad or side by side, or go, even go hiking or hunting or mountain biking on it? Right? Drive your fucking RC car out there. Somebody pays for that, and. Um, so hopefully these renewable energy sources can do that and we can keep having these awesome stuff. The Great American Outdoors Act. I'm so stoked. Um, right below that, I didn't even think of this. Yamaha trail grants were announced. 155000 bucks to OHV clubs and supporters. Some of that went out here to uh, Cal- uh, Southern California Mountain Foundation out here in San Bernardino. And it went all over. It went to Washington, D.C., uh, New Hampshire, Utah, Minnesota, um, 
uh, all over Montana. There's a whole bunch of uh, uh, places that got grants from Yamaha. So that's kind of cool. Yamaha not just paying people to race motorcycles and all that great stuff. They're also paying, uh, excuse me, they pay, do a pretty good job of paying, uh, doing grants to trail recreation. They depend on it because they uh, all their side-by-sides are uh, assembled here in the U.S., and it's a huge part of their industry uh, right now. We've talked about that before, side-by-sides making a huge dent in the power sports. Let's get back a, pay, a couple pages here to the state and local updates. This is something that I was afraid of. Last year, the year before, last year, I went to um, Pismo Beach, cruised around on the dunes a little bit, and um, the guy told me up there, one of the one of the guys up there that rents dune buggies was saying, yeah, you know, they're trying to close us down. This You're lucky you came this year. This may be the last year you get to ride on the Pismo Dunes. And I think there might be like one other beach in Oregon or Washington. And those are the only places where you can um, legally ride on dunes next to the ocean. You can imagine the ocean itself is... Um, Speaking of ecosystems and land, the ocean itself is a very delicate ecosystem, and we spill oil into it. There's a friggin' trash heap the size of, like, I don't know, Vanuatu out there floating around. There's this fucking island made of trash that we are responsible for. We flush our sewage out into it. Half the time you can't go surfing down in Imperial Beach or off the beaches in TJ down in um, Mexico and San Diego right there at the border because, hey, guess where we guess where the um, sewage pipe from the U.S. goes to? It goes out to the ocean just about a mile offshore from TJ and San Diego. <laughs> so if you're floating, uh, if that's a Mars bar floating by you, uh, don't touch it. It's probably actually a turd and hypodermic needles floating around. So it's great. So, yeah, we pollute a lot of shit. So... It's already a, uh, a delicate landscape full of like 75% of what our earth is made up of and we're just fucking it up. And so they don't want you riding shit around there. The Oceano Dunes thing isn't really about that. You're not allowed to ride in the water. People aren't putting gas and oil and fucking getting their dirty tires in the water. You're not allowed to ride on the water or on the actual beach. You ride away from the beach to the dunes just between uh, the beach and the highway in the city that's uh, inland. What the big uproar from what I've understood was is that people are, are moving by just like everybody talks about. Um, Willow, it hasn't happened at Willow Springs, but Paris Raceway. Um and not Paris Auto Speedway, where the where the uh, the big stadium is, because that's out at a fair at Lake Paris, away from housing basically. But Paris um, Speedway, where basically I've cut my teeth watching Southern California flat track happen, and there's a motocross track there too. People are moving out there and then complaining about noise. Well, you moved next to a friggin' motorcycle track. Like, think about it. Um, you move next to a friggin' beach that's covered in dunes. It's like a natural desert dune area, sort of like something you'd see off in Africa or something like that, right? The dunes just, uh, water just lapping up against the dunes right there. Um, instead of having to drive out into the desert to see it. So yeah, we have, we're, we're lucky in California that we have redwoods. We have dunes, and then you go down to Southern California, like San Diego and stuff, and you just have like beach, you know what I'm saying, without the cliffs and the rocks. And we have so much diverse uh, uh, little cl- climates and environments at our beaches here in, in California, from the forest literally ending at the beach to going down South San Diego, where the beach is flat sand for miles, you know, 
before even before you get to the beach. So everything in between. So these dunes, guess what? You move to these natural dunes that kick up dust and blow dust. Um, the Friends of Oceana Dunes uh, were in a legal battle since 2017 for the Coastal State Coastal Commission. And I know I don't know the other. Um, I don't know the other party involved, but I know that it was a lot of home homeowners and maybe like the local uh, representative, state representative for that area that sided with the homeowners saying, yeah, these off-roaders are kicking up dust and these off-roaders are making it sandy and kicking up all sorts of sand and dust all over the place. Well, I've been at Oceano Dunes when there's nobody there and just the wind off the beach Kicks, how do you think sand dunes move in, in any desert? It doesn't have to be right next to the beach, but off the beach uh, on the ocean, you get this thing called, uh, you know, what, uh, um, an onshore breeze, and it's just it's pretty windy at the beach most days, um, and it blows sand. And guess what? When you're out in the desert, it, you get the winds, they blow sand, sand dunes move. The sand dunes are always changing. That's why you can't use them as landmarks in the, like the Sahara and shit, right? So these beach sand dunes are constantly moving. It is not the off-roaders throwing. You could have everybody do a friggin' roost at once and it wouldn't send sand into the air like the wind does naturally. And so these fine particulate pieces of sand blown into town, guess what? It's because the town is moving next to fucking dunes. Um, so please, the dunes are are a natural part of the environment too, and they are a preservation uh, area. There's, there's little birds that live, I know, in a lot of the dunes, and they are native to just those dunes. Um, just like there's probably a lot of species of plant that only grow on the coast because it's cool weather. And it's salt water air and it's perfect sand and they probably only grow right there. So we protect the dunes to ride there also to keep the wildlife there. And so the townspeople, it sounds like, would rather just have the dunes not there. So I don't know. Anyways, make a long story short, the Friends of Oceana Dunes uh, blocked the approval, won the battle in February uh, against the Coastal Commission and the, a judge affirmed that the Coast Commission has to pay Friends of the Oceano Dunes $252,726 for all their attorney fees and court costs. Um, so the Friends of the Oceano Dunes, I believe that was the people that was fighting against the um, banning of off-highway vehicles. So there's also people named to this new council advisory board uh, that they made. And they have a off-highway vehicle recreation um, person on that board now to manage that and take care of that. Hopefully the dunes never get closed for recreation. And hopefully the costs that they incur from people paying to go on the dunes and recreate pays for all the little birds and plants that live there and keeps stuff in operation. And all those businesses that wouldn't be there if there wasn't something to do called Hey, restaurants, dune buggy rentals, like campsites, all that stuff wouldn't would be out of business if people didn't come recreate at the dunes. So up yours, the dunes. Um, here's something else that happened here. Um, well, some stuff happened in New Mexico. What happened in New Mexico? Uh, oh, yeah, safety riding robots. Tobor was – I'm not going to wake him up right now, but he was pretty upset. He said that Sarah, the safety robot, was not all that <laughs> – um, South Dakota. Oh, yeah, Sturgis. This is something crazy. This has been in the uh, last few magazines that they've been sending. Um, Sturgis, the city wanted to annex um, 
the uh, right next to Sturgis, where the Jack Pine Gypsies have their hill climbs and all that great stuff. It's not quite. I don't know what it's called, where that area is called, but um, it's like the Black Hills uh, adjacent or something. So anyway, uh, voters in the city of Sturgis uh, overturned the city council's decision to annex the property that belongs to the Jack Pine Gypsies Motorcycle Club. If you don't know who the Jack Pine Gypsies Motorcycle Club is or Pappy Hoyle or the Indian motorcycle dealership that used to be there – or maybe it even still is there, um, they started what is known as the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in 1938 when it was called the Black Hills Motor Classic. And they would go do hill climbs. They would do some flat track. They would just do a whole bunch of stuff. The city wanted to annex it, I believe, last year or even in 2018. Um, And the Jack Pine Gypsies would have to pay for... Uh, they wanted to annex it because they said the city wanted to make them pay for services like water, sewer, road maintenance, public safety, blah, blah, blah. It would also require um, you're a city property now, so you need to pay sales tax on all your stuff. And they're like, no, no way. We don't do that. You know. So here's the problem is that uh, the city would have done all that stuff for you, water, trash, road maintenance, all this and that. My family did the same thing. They used to get their road graded by the county. Um, The county would use their road to access forest land, national forest land behind our family's property and minerals and stuff that they were getting back there. And finally, our family was like, dude, fuck this. Like, I don't know if they were paying them to access it or just like it was a, we'll maintain your road if you let us access it. And finally, they said no. And my family just blades their own road now. You know, it's uh, two miles uh, of bumpy, cruddy road to begin with every time it rains. So, um, and they own, they all own tractors with blades. So they just blade their own, um, their own thing and don't rely on anybody to do it. Made the land private. So you can't come back there. Not even the mail, mail service can come back. So, uh, yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff that happens when you stay, when you say I'm private, that means you take care of everything. So I don't know how the Jack Pine gypsies are taking care of water and streets and facilities and all that stuff, but I'm guessing that if you have enough people coming to these races and enough people coming to use the club property, um, you charge for that and then you pay for your own stuff. So you don't need the town to take it over and make you start doing a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you do it grassroots style. So, Hooray to them for that, uh, I guess. And then at some point in the future, if they decide they want to partner with the city and get stuff paid for, they'll have to pay the price in. Uh, BLM buys Blue Oak Ranch. This is here in California. And this is a, I forget how many acres, a 1,400 acres. Blue Oak Ranch um, came up for sale, I believe it was um, I believe it was th- uh, last year. Maybe it was this year. Um so anyway, funding from the Federal Land and Water Conservation Fund and the California Park and Off-Highway Motor Vehicle Recreation Division grants program allowed the BLM to acquire this ranch. Uh, people were, uh, the last four to five years, according to this article, people were trying to purchase the property from a willing seller who wanted it used for both casual trail and permitted events. So now it's the South Cow Mountain OHV management area Uh, who manages 23 acres of public land already in the Mayakamas Mountains is going to uh, take over this too. So they're basically going to um, 
you know, the South Cow Mountain area did not have a camping area for you to stay there overnight. It didn't have a staging area, I guess. It was just like all trails, right? So basically this uh, Blue Oak Ranch is going to serve as a staging area, campground. You know, you can stay a couple nights now and ride, so whatever it is. So that's pretty cool. This BLM using uh, funds to make more public lands public, which is a great, uh, great to me. And it sounds like um, take care of the land too, so... Um, so here's one last thing I wanted to read out of this magazine. This is really it. Off-roaders lose to the sage grouse. So, uh, according to the magazine, again, a federal judge upheld the U S forest services authority to keep a 250 mile motorcycle race out of the habitat of the bi-state sage grouse in Nevada, ruling against the Sierra trail dogs, motorcycle and recreational club. So they've had this mystery dirt bike, 250, um, they've had it in June for the last 25 years and they sued, uh, the forestry service in 2018, um, saying that they bypassed the environmental law or the environmental review process law. And what has happened, this is another thing where I understand, I get it. I love to recreate. I love to get out. I love to, even if it's hiking and biking and it shut off because you can't go in there, fucking butterfly or somebody was telling me that out in the desert, oh, one of my coworkers uh, was telling me that out where he used to live in the desert, uh, the fire ants are a protected species. You're not allowed to spray against them. You're not allowed to, um, you know, use poisons against them. They're protected. And it's because People are moving into fire ant territory. Now, fire ants suck. Fire ants are dangerous. If you've ever fallen down in a pile of fire ants, you know how quickly things can go sideways. And if you're very, very unfortunate, you could end up dead. Um, but listen, the fire ants didn't ask you to fall into their pile, though, on the other hand. from you know, If I was a defense attorney for the pi- uh, fire ants, I would say that, that uh, this huge thing came crashing down in our city. If a giant alien smashed down on Earth, I hope to fuck we would... To fight it off, try to get it out of there, right? So that's all they're doing. Um, one animal against another. Humans are just animals. We're not anything special. So except that if we can think, ouch, this really, really fucking hurts that all these fire ants are all over my face. Um, and fire ants do hurt. I got stung by like one or two at one time, not even not even standing like on a pile, just one or two, and it burned. That's why they call them fire ants. Um, so those are protected. So I could imagine that a grouse that only exists in the small portion of territory between California and, and uh, Nevada kind of ha- has, you know, I'm sorry you guys have to reschedule your motorcycle race for one month later, but the grouse is has been here for hundreds of years, you know, and this is its only territory now. Why don't you go have your motorcycle race one month later, all right? Like if you're... If you had a um, a cold, you know, you would not have any second thoughts about putting something off for a week or two weeks. But since it's your motorcycle race and there's grouse mating, you it's mandatory I have my race. No, you can put it off for like a freaking month. The same as if you had something going on for a month um, and you would want somebody to hold off for you, right? So that's the other side. I, I do, like I said, I love to get out and recreate, but I do see uh, where we need to... Um, Take and be, be custodians of the land that we want to use. It's not just a right to go ride everything. That right comes with obligations and responsibilities, right? So that is my last thing I want to talk about. I'm really, really stoked that this year, although not a lot of people 
not as many people, I should say, appear to be getting out, and that and that's a big appear. I know there's a lot of people that are on strict lockdown, so I'm just assuming. But on the other hand, a lot more people took this opportunity to get out, and it's great that the public lands were made super, super available uh, this summer. So I'm really stoked about that. All right, everybody, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to get in and wrap up the show here. I told you it would be a short one. It's only an hour. I know you probably don't have much time to listen or care to listen that much. Hopefully, you're tuning into Moto America right now and listening to the uh, the coverage of the King of the Baggers. Hopefully, you're also out this week getting your ass on some scary-ass shit and getting a scary ride down because you need to submit it to creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Do me a hot favor. Either call our hotline at 740-563-2858 and leave a brief message. I'm not even sure how long of a message you can leave on there. I don't think I have it forwarded to Tobor's uh, integrated um, messaging unit, so I don't know if he can like straight pick up the call and you can talk to me, but I think it just goes to a voicemail. Leave it there. Or you can write us, like I said, email to creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com or... Fifth option, you can speak it into your phone like this. Let me open my phone. I have an iPhone, by the way. Hit voice memo, new recording. Oh, my God, junkie, I'm in this haunted house right now, and there's a ghost, and it has its hand on my hand. It's sort of like that Patrick Swayze movie, but it's not, like, sexy. It's got its hand on my hand because it's making me slap my face. I don't know how to get out of here without being um, possessed and have the ghost of hand slappy Joe <laughs> follow me around for the rest of my life, making me slap others. Or, hey, junkie, I'm, I just, uh, I'm dead. And I didn't realize it till just now because uh, I'm in an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, whatever it is your scary story, go do it. And it doesn't have to be scary, ghostly, spooky, whatever it is, go do it. Um, and, and you better have that in by next Friday at midnight. And what you do is then you take that voice memo, email it, send. Oh, yeah, look, here's this little send button. Send it to creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com, why don't you? Or 18th option, head over to our Facebook page, click the button that says send email and type it in there. Or hell, just go make a post on our Facebook page. I don't care how you get it to us. Just get us to us. DM us on, on Instagram. Whatever you got to do to get a spooky story to us, uh, just get it out. Audio is better. I want to hear your voice telling your story. So uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break, and we will come back with last year's winner from Spooky Spokes to wrap up the show. All right, folks. Tobor is dead. Just kidding. It's Tobor's ghost. Oh, my God. This is my spooky story. A robot died. Ooh, did I have a soul? For over 125 and a half years, no pickle has been more trusted by motorcycle champions everywhere than Clawman Pickles. You want to win your race? Put a Clawman Pickle in your face. Clawman's guaranteed. I'm a Clawman and I recommend Clawman Pickles for the win. You heard Mama. Put a Clawman's in your mouth and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clawman's the only pickle for motorcyclists. Guy Builds Motorcycle Washing Services. Give Billy a try. I'm Billy Guy Bill. 
You give me water and a bucket, I'll wash your motorcycle. It'll be good clean. Billy Guybuild, getting motorcycles clean since 25 weeks ago. Billy Guybuild's located in Burt Town. I bet get your motorcycle sparkly. Billy washes baggers, cruisers, naked bikes, sport bikes, drag bikes, scooters, monkey bikes, mini bikes, bikes that don't even run. Call Billy now, 555-273-BILLY. You call me and uh, book your appointment to wash your motorbike. That's Billy Guybeld's Motorcycle Washing Services. Just outside of Luckerville, Bloyton, and Stancran. In Blimey Town. Billy Guybeld's Motorcycle Washing Services. Don't forget it, punk. Yeah, bitch. sit in tonight. He, on account of he's feeling like a bag of turds. A hammered bag of turds. But that's alright. We're gonna open up Spooky Spokes this year. A little bit different. Chucky was telling me, you know, Cromden, I really like what that girl Miranda was doing with the uh, ghost biker exploration sort of stuff. I kind of want to do something inspiring myself. Only I ain't got time. Grondon, I'm going to go out and try to research something in my town. Something that's interesting and supposedly haunted here. Something spooky. Grondon, if you could help me out on this week's show, on account of my voice being all wrecked up from the goddamn hair quality, I'd be highly obliged. And I said, Junkie, I looked right, I looked deep into his dark, beady little disgusting eyes. I said, no problem, my friend. Feel better. And come back next week. You want me to just bullshit for a little bit? Oh, you bet Junkie was prepped. That little mofo, he surprised me sometimes. He said, Crondon, you don't got to bullshit. I done recorded something months, ages ago. I just want you to play it on my show. And do the segues. Play a little guitar, maybe. A junkie. I looked right into that dripping, juicy, greasy face of his, and I said, All right, buddy, you're kind of disgusting to look at, but you are my good friend. I'll do it. So I'm here tonight in lieu of our friend, producer, Junkie Turdman, or whatever the fuck he does, I don't know. We're going to get into some spooky spokes right now. Right now, yes, right now, a pre-recorded bit by our own friend and greasy little meatball, Junkie Turdman. All right. 
right. Let's get into our first listener submitted Spooky Spoke. And this comes to us from a beautiful gal out there in Spooksville. story, no bull. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with a house that was about a mile or so from where I lived. It was a shabby, huge Victorian with faded gray and weathered shingles, and it sat upon a small cliff on an overgrown lot that overlooked a desolate and expansive marsh. The house was surrounded by a thick wall of some kind of leafless, shoulder-high pricker bushes that managed to catch every leaf and thatch that the ocean wind blew its way. In my mind, the house was always under a gray sky, and the wind howled as you walked as dead leaves spun in small tornadoes under your feet. My fall ritual was to ride my bike to the house all alone and then hide under those bushes covered in leaves, hoping to get a glimpse of whomever might enter or leave that haunted house. To my disappointment, I never saw anyone, even though my spying went on for years and started in broad daylight and would end way past my curfew and into the night. Well, as it does, time passed, I grew up, moved many states away, joined the working world and started riding motorcycles and never gave that house another thought. Until one day, I returned to my formerly small hometown on business. It was in October, and the air was brisk, and the wind blew in that kind of chilly and invigorating way that makes you so glad you ride a motorcycle. The sun had already set, and the sky was a streaky gray, and I bundled up my papers and laptop and hopped on my bike and headed toward my hotel. I felt so good riding all snuggled up in my leather jacket with the cold wind on my face that I passed right by my stop and decided to explore my town to see how things had changed. Somehow, without my knowledge or permission, I found myself stopped and idling in front of that old gray house, engulfed in the sounds of the moaning wind, my bike rumbling, and my own breathing. As my bike and I both expelled thick vapor clouds into the air, I realized that in spite of how this town had grown, there were no cars driving by, not one person appeared walking by in an evening walk, and there were no streetlights lit in that area. I hit the kill switch on my bike and listened as the engine ticked into the wind. As I took off my helmet and put down the side stand, dead leaves swirled around my feet. Suddenly, I felt like a kid again, brave and scared, all at the same time. Leaning on my bike, facing the front of the house, my mind drifted back in time. Suddenly, I was aware that there was someone loudly breathing right behind me. Almost knocking my bike over, my keys fell onto the ground. I bent to pick them up and turned around and came eye to eye with an enormous white bull. The animal's humped back stood taller than me and his horns pointed forward, aimed at me and my bike. The brass ring through his nose glinted in the moonlight, and two huge, angry streams of vapor billowed from his enormous nostrils. I stood frozen in place. The bulls angrily snorted and pawed toward me. I was afraid to stay. I was afraid to run. 
It's not clear to me what happened next, but somehow, suddenly, I was on my bike, skidding out on gravel and almost wiping out, swerving, hyperventilating, sweating, and not looking back. Only the next day did I realize that I lost my helmet and laptop. I don't know what to make of what happened that night. That town does not allow farm animals. There are no farms that are located in that suburban community. The next day, there was no news of escaped livestock. I don't know if that bull was real, a ghost, my imagination, or a phantom of my childhood. But this story is true, and it still makes my heart pound, even though it happened so many years ago. The end. Thank you.